Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM presents Gridiron Forecast, a weekly roundtable discussion podcast centered around the complex world of fantasy football. Now here's your host, Nick Rizzo. What's going on, everybody? You're listening to Rowan Radio 89.7 WGLS-FM. This is Gridiron Forecast, a podcast all about fantasy football, discussing all everything that went on during week six of the NFL season, taking a look ahead to week seven and much more. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, alongside my guest here today, Nick Carlson, and we have a lot to discuss here in the fantasy football world, Nick. Uh, a lot of breakout performances in Week 7, some rumors leading up to the NFL trade deadline. We got it all covered for you here on Gridiron Forecast, but no time to waste. So let's hop right into our first segment here today. Nick, following the injury to Rashad Penny, Seattle Seahawks running back, Kenneth Walker got his first NFL start this past Sunday, and he did not disappoint. 21 carries, 97 yards, and a touchdown. Also added two catches for 13 yards, was the clear lead back for Seattle. DJ Dallas only got two touches in the game. So the question that I propose to you today, Nick Carlson, Kenneth Walker, what is his fantasy ceiling for the rest of the year in the Seattle offense? Because on Sunday, he certainly looked like a potential league winner. Well, he'll be RB1 for sure because DJ Dallas really isn't going to pose much of a threat. I think that the only problem I have with a type of player like Kenneth Walker is he's touching the ball 25 times a game. So definitely the volume's there, and that ceiling's high, but there's always the injury bug to be worried about. You don't want to run him into the ground. We saw it with McCaffrey. I feel like if Walker kind of gets run too hard, then you never know what's going to happen. The Seattle Seahawks... They're a team that's in contention right now, so it's not like they really have to kind of go crazy, but for the most part, Walker's definitely a player you're going to want. I don't even know if you could really buy him high because if it was up to me, I wouldn't want to get rid of him because that ceiling's so high. Exactly, and I actually I have him in one of my leagues. It's a keeper league. In our draft, if you draft a player past round nine and he's on your team at the end of the season, you get to keep him in that round you drafted him for next year's draft. I drafted Kenneth Walker in the 12th round. He has stayed on my team, so now I'm looking like a genius in that league. But going back to your point about the injuries, personally, I I don't think that you could worry about that too much. Um, You know, talking about Christian McCaffrey, he got ran into the ground, yes, but we didn't see the injuries start popping up until a couple years after he really accumulated that full workload. Kenneth Walker, to me, in my eyes, if he keeps up this workload for the rest of the season, 20 20, 25 touches, he will be a top five running back for the rest of the season. Well, I feel like the only problem is now I'm looking at his schedule. So he's got to go through the Giants, who are the 10th ranked rushing defense, and then Tampa Bay, who's the number one ranked rushing defense. In the fantasy playoffs, he does face the Chiefs, who's ranked 28, but he still has to get through the San Francisco 49ers at two and the Rams at three. So if you're going to go into the playoffs with Kenneth Walker, it might be a little bit of a struggle. For sure, yeah. It could definitely be a struggle, but... As we've seen in fantasy, volume is king, 100%. How how many running backs in the NFL, particularly this season, it's been a weird season, how many running backs are giving you a full workhorse load, 20-plus touches a game? Not many this season. Well, I'd say right now McCaffrey and Barkley. And other than that, really 
really no one. I mean, Naj, no, Naj is not up there either. So, really, it's no one because Jonathan Taylor's been hurt. Naj has been down. Dalvin Cook's been all right. And Eckler really hasn't gotten that workload. He's just been scoring the touchdowns recently. So, really, no one comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when, whenever you have the opportunity to get your hands on a guy that will is the clear lead back, will touch the ball at least 20 times a game, I mean, that is fantasy gold. I mean, that ba- that basically shoes him in for a top 10 finish. Am I wrong here? Well, do you know, I'm looking at the top three players, and it's Eckler, Barkley, and Chubb. So players that touch the ball a good amount, and then you have McCaffrey, Fournette, Brees Hall. Josh Jacobs is up there too? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, he's been having a huge season. Yeah. And, huge year. Well, Derrick Henry, Ramondre Stevenson, and Miles Sanders. So those are the top 10, and you leave guys out like... Dalvin Cook, Joe Mixon, mm-hmm. uh, Kareem Hunt, Najee Harris, who was going, what was he? I, I don't know about in your draft, but I think he went sixth in mine. Yeah, he. I'm almost positive he went number seven in my draft, so yeah. kind of that mid to late first round. So I, would you say that he's the biggest bust so far? Oh, 100%. 100%. No doubt about it. I even said it before the season. I said Najee Harris is not going to be a top 10 running back this year. I got called crazy, but... Uh, I'm looking like a genius with that take there. So, well, to come back on that, Jonathan Taylor only has 50 fantasy points compared to Najee Harris, who has 64. Okay. And Jonathan Taylor probably went, went one in a lot of leagues. I know he didn't mind because I took McCaffrey at one. For me, the Taylor situation, I look at it a little bit differently because he has been injured. Yeah. He did miss, uh, what was it, one or two games. Uh, so, you know, Najee Harris, he's been out there the whole year. He's been getting the workhorse load. Not that Jonathan Taylor hasn't when he's been on the field, but at least so far this season, we've seen the upside that Taylor possesses. Week one, he had a huge year. Najee Harris, I mean, he's given us no reason for hope whatsoever this yeah. year. So just going back to the Walker point, taking a look at the top running backs in terms of fantasy production this season in PPR leagues. So far, Austin Eckler is the RB1, Saquon Barkley RB2, Nick Chubb RB3, Christian McCaffrey RB4, and Leonard Fournette RB5. I mean, if you look at Kenneth Walker, you can make a case for him to be right in that group of guys that I just mentioned, right in that top five there. Yeah, I think you definitely could, especially with the production and volume that he's going to get because Seattle and Pete Carroll, they're definitely a running offense, although Geno's looked fantastic so far. They're definitely going to run the ball a lot. You know Pete Carroll likes to do that. He's definitely a guy right now I would love to have on my team. It'd be impossible to get him. If you got him, like Mm -hmm. you said, you're lucky. But for me, I I just don't have Kenneth Walker. Yeah, unfortunately. And it's probably going to take up a pretty big haul to get him. And then if you take a look just at the six, seven, eight guys, you got Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, all guys that have been pretty inconsistent this season. They've shown explosive flashes, but just haven't been able to put it together on a week-to-week basis so far. So I really think Kenneth Walker has an opportunity to shoot right up into that top five, borderline top five area. So moving on here to the next segment. Christian McCaffrey trade rumors have sparked, Nick. They've sparked. It's now looking increasingly more likely that he could be dealt by the November 1st trade deadline by the Carolina Panthers. Carolina recently traded Robbie Anderson to the Arizona Cardinals earlier this week. The fire sale could continue with McCaffrey. We've seen some uh, contenders pop up in the McCaffrey sweepstakes, to name a few, the Buffalo Bills, San Francisco 49ers, the Los Angeles Rams, all teams that are rumored to be eyeing Christian McCaffrey on the trade market. So the question I pose in this next segment here is, 
What is the best possible landing spot for Christian McCaffrey for fantasy purposes? Where would he thrive the most in a new environment? So there's a little bit of a story to this. So I've I've loved Christian McCaffrey for years. I draft him every single year. I drafted him with the first overall pick, and I traded him two weeks ago. I traded him for Joe Mixon, Debo Samuel, and Melvin Gordon. Ooh, I like that trade. Here's the only problem is if McCaffrey stays on the Panthers, that's where he's going to have the best fantasy outlook. Because Completely agree with when you. When you think about it, P.J. Walker, he's going to be doing a lot of checkdowns. They're going to be down in a lot of games. He's going to have that PPR format where he's just going to be receiving a lot of balls. If he goes to a team like the Bills, Stephon Diggs is going to take balls away from him. Josh Allen's going to take balls away from him. Same with Gabriel Davis. And then if you go over to the Rams, Stafford and Cooper Cup have a connection. He might not even throw to McCaffrey all that often. So really, I think the best way you can go is if he stays on the Panthers. That's a great point. The Panthers, he's definitely the main weapon in that Panthers offense. I saw a stat this past week. He accumulated 77% of the Panthers' total yeah. offense on Sunday. And you wouldn't see that on the Bills. No, 100% not. Because they have so many guys like Diggs, like Davis. If Singletary stays there too, and you also have Isaiah McKenzie's another one. I mean, imagine the offense of Diggs, Davis, and then McCaffrey in the slot with Josh Allen. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would basically be unstoppable for the rest of the league. I, yeah. You might as well just shoe in the Super Bowl trophy right there. <laughs> But um, so if McCaffrey does go to these other offenses, Buffalo, for example, you mentioned Devin Singletary. He's still lingering around there. San Francisco, you got Eli Mitchell coming back. He'll be lingering around there. Los Angeles, Daryl Henderson. He hasn't gone away for Sean McVay's offense. I mean, if you look at these other offenses, I mean, there's some guys that could potentially prevent McCaffrey from accumulating 95% of the running back touches. Well, yeah, definitely. And that's why the Panthers are the only one that could really boost his fantasy value because when you think about it who's the backup for the Panthers Chuba I'm Hubbard Dante Foreman I mean not yeah. not notable guys that will take work away from McCaffrey so for the most part Darrell Henderson could steal a couple snaps I don't think he would along with Devin Singletary but definitely based on the weapons that those teams have his fantasy production is going to go way down especially because think about it DJ Moore is very good but McCaffrey gets every single target the problem for McCaffrey so far this season has really just been the lack of touchdowns. The volume has been there. Yeah. He's still hovering around 90 to 95% of the snaps and touches out of the Panthers' backfield. He's still the same old receiving Christian McCaffrey, gaining seven, eight, nine catches a game these days. And, I mean, it's, it's really interesting to think because the Panthers' offense— it's ranked dead last in plays per game in total offense, just not a great team. You go over to another offense like Buffalo or Los Angeles, for example, obviously much more high potent, but again, there's just those factors surrounding Christian McCaffrey in those offenses that could prevent him from having an elite RB1 ceiling. So it's kind of like pick your poison here for McCaffrey. If I was a McCaffrey owner, I would, right, right when I see him get traded to the Bills, I would try to sell right away because mm -hmm. I wouldn't even want to deal with trying to guess how he's going to do because you don't know. You don't know how the Bills are going to use him. The Panthers utilize him in every single part of the game. Other yep. teams might not do that. The Panthers, they find any possible way to get McCaffrey the ball. And then, see, Buffalo, I've seen people say that that's the best possible landing spot for him. Yeah. I would highly disagree, number one, because it obviously Christian McCaffrey and James Cook, I mean, two completely different players. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey much higher on the totem pole than Cook. Cook has not proven himself in the league. But 
two kind of similar backs. They could both catch the ball out of the backfield. And I remember having a debate before the season talking about James Cook, and a point was brought up where uh, Josh Allen, he doesn't really throw to his running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, but I feel like when you have McCaffrey there, who's a known presence, so he knows he can trust, I feel like he'd give it to him just a little more. I think if McCaffrey goes to the Bills, just like you said, get the Super Bowl trophy already over in Buffalo because they would already be right there. They have such good talent on offense. Fantasy-wise, it gets a little complicated, though, because, like I've said, the Panthers are the really only team that would feed him. The 49ers run the ball a lot, but Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't really check down. Along with Stafford, I feel like, for the most part, Christian McCaffrey can only thrive in that Panthers offense, and they're in full rebuild mode, so he could get moved. Christian McCaffrey owners praying to the fantasy football gods that he will stay in Carolina for the remainder of the season. All right, me and Nick here, we're going to enter a little game now. It's called Boom or Bust. We are going to name two potential booms for Week 7 and two potential bust candidates for Week 7 as well at every position. We'll start off with quarterbacks. Nick, give me your two booms and busts of the week at the quarterback position. So, for the quarterback, both of these QBs have been my starters, and it hasn't worked out well. Uh, Marcus Mariota is one, just because of the ability to rush the ball. To boom? To boom. Okay. I, I have a boom or bust. That's what, I, that's what I've got him at Oh, right okay. Now. Like, could go either yeah, way. Yeah, could go either way. Because okay. Mariota rushes the ball. He's had a touchdown in four of six games. I started him against the Browns. He put up three points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that's a boom or bust. And then I also have Jared Goff, just Ooh. because I feel like that offense is so powerful but the one week I started him, they played the Patriots. Oh, man. So, <laughs> either way, it's a boomer bust for quarterbacks for them. For Forgettable game for Detroit yeah. fantasy managers there. I had a Monroe St. Brown in my lineup for that one personally. Definitely stung, especially considering you watched De'Ami Brown catch two touchdowns in the very same week. You saw the whole interaction Amon Ross St. Brown kind of doing a little sneak diss towards De'Ami Brown. Yeah. Many said it was uncalled for, so everything comes full circle with that one. <laughs> So with the with the quarterbacks, a boom candidate I have is Marcus Mariota. Agree yeah. with that. Playing Cincinnati, good matchup, potential shootout there. Cincinnati's offense, you know they're going to put the pressure on. Uh, Two attack of Iloa versus Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh, look, okay, Pittsburgh, great game against the Bucks last week. By no means do I expect them to repeat that performance. All my right. my thing is that two is coming off the concussion. That's, I agree. That's what I think. I agree. Pittsburgh though. I, th- they really have given me no reason to trust them. They've looked pitiful yeah. outside of last week. Big games have been a theme for uh, people that play them this season. Uh, so, Tua Tagovailoa, I'm expecting a big game out of him and the entirety of the Dolphins' offense, personally. Yeah, it's tough because when you're coming off that concussion, also the team, I feel like, has lost a lot of confidence. You've lost three straight. So, mm-hmm. I feel like for the most part, I'm not sure if Tua could rally the troops, but they started off 3-0, and so... You never know. Start off 3-0. Maybe getting Tua back in that lineup could give them a little bolt of energy. Yeah. One guy that I think is going to bust is Aaron Rodgers. Okay? And I'm really sorry to say it because I have him in one of my leagues. How many leagues do you have? Okay. Very short story here. I went a little overboard on the leagues this year. All right? I'm in six fantasy leagues. How do you even know what's going on in either of the, in all the leagues? And it was a mistake because <laughs> that's the thing. I can I only find myself paying attention to like one or two of them. Yeah. The other ones they just kind of get put on the back burner. I'll set my lineup on Sunday, but nothing much. Do you have winning records in all of them? Um, 
Because that'd be pretty heartbreaking if you're like two and five in all of them. <laughs> two no, and four. to be honest with you, now that I'm thinking about it, I have a winning record in one. Wow. I'm 501. I have losing records in four. <laughs> I'm one and five in my only fantasy league, so. In my one league, it's just been ridiculous because I have the I have the second most points in the entire league, but I've let up the most points by yeah, far. Yeah. It's just a luck game sometimes with fantasy, man. And I hate when that happens because it's like you do so well, but it's just like everyone else just seems to go off to that week. Exactly. So. Whenever they're playing you. Yeah. That's the thing. But Aaron Rodgers hasn't uh, been a top 16 quarterback in fantasy once this season. That Green Bay offense been looking putrid. I, I'm not sure when the Green Bay offense will wake up or if they'll wake up, but definitely needs to come soon for fantasy managers. All right, moving on to the running back position. A boom that I have for this week. Now, this is going to be odd because I just said Aaron Rodgers would bust. I think Aaron Jones will boom this week. I think Green Bay and the uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers and their offense will kind of go back to the basics this week, start running the ball more, start checking it down. Honestly, the bust on Rodgers isn't even really a knock on him. I just think they're going to run the football and go more short passes this week, and Aaron Jones will definitely be a beneficiary of that. A bust candidate I have is Damian Pierce against the Raiders. And this is just pointing to the Houston offense as a whole. The Raiders coming off a bye, coming off that heartbreaking Monday night loss to the Chiefs. I'm expecting them to come out firing against uh, Houston. So Damian Pierce and the rest of the Texans offense in for a bad day. Listen, I got I got beef with Damian Pierce because I had no clue who he was <laughs> until I showed up to my draft and everyone like you know how like when you should do you have your drafts in person in person yes so does everyone show up like with their notes and like all ready to go is it like that big of a thing <laughs> everyone's all prepared all ready to go yeah so everyone shows up in the football jerseys the notes and everybody's like whispering about this Damian Pierce guy I had no clue who he was and he gets drafted in, like the fifth round of my league I was like who is this guy <laughs> oh, so my. I was like this guy's a bust or he's just the greatest player ever and he did nothing and I was like I just I can't stand this guy how mm-hmm. he's just shooting up the rankings uh, but I could see Damian Beers uh, being a bust he's looked fantastic though so he far has. in these games that he started he has the especially the past couple of weeks I mean he's just exploded long yeah. touchdown runs explosive runs he, he needed a few weeks to get his feet wet under him but he's starting to look like that guy for the Houston backfield so for my boomer bust I have the biggest headache on my fantasy team so far, and it's been David Montgomery. Oh. Any day. I mean, he could boom, he could bust. It's it's actually ridiculous how much he can kind of go north or south. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially in that Bears offense. Exactly. And they're such a sloppy offense that even if they're not winning, they still run the ball, and David Montgomery can't seem to do it. And Khalil Herbert has looked fantastic. Mm-hmm. So he might take those snaps away. But uh, another one I have, I have the Jets running backs for the clear reason that they've looked very good. But it's also an offense that if that running game can't get going, mm-hmm. Zach Wilson doesn't seem like he can get him back on track. So I feel like also Carter takes snaps away from Hall. Hall takes snaps away from Carter. You don't know who to start. You don't know who to play. It might be touchdown dependent. I feel like they're definitely boom or bust. Mm-hmm. I completely agree. That Jets offense, Zach Wilson, he hasn't really shown that he could really be that guy to carry the offense yet. So that Brees Hall pick, it's starting to look a little smart for the Jets because they got a really nice one-two combo going over there for him. And they, they've had a great season so far. So can't really knock the Jets too much this season. Wide receivers moving on. A boom. Chris Olave in tonight's game against the Cardinals. Now, Chris Olave, a big reason for this one is just pure opportunity. All right. Michael Thomas and Jarvis Landry looking like they will both remain out of the lineup for this Thursday's game. 
The offense is going to be heavily reliant on Olave and Alvin Kamara. Expect Olave to get double-digit targets thrown his way, and I'm also expecting a touchdown in this game against Arizona. A bust that I have, uh, similar to the running backs, Brandon Cooks against the Raiders. The Again, just pointing at the Houston offense, I don't think they're going to have a great week, but also Brandon Cooks have seen his target numbers decline each week since week one. Week one got 12 targets. Most recently in week five before Houston's bye, saw just six targets. So it's been kind of a downward spiral for Cooks lately. Still six, though, is not bad. Six targets. It's not bad. Yeah. But it's not It's not going to give you WR2 numbers, though. It, six yeah, targets. Yeah, yeah. I guess, well, yeah, because 12 targets. Going from 12 to six is crazy. Yeah, and like 12 week one, 10 week two. Yeah. Then he started dipping down to seven. Now he's, now he's starting to see six uh, most recently in week five. I mean, look, Brandon Cooks, he's really the only reliable option in the Texans passing game. So hopefully they realize that and start throwing on the ball more. Yeah. I well, So for mine, it's a little weird because it's, I kind of not contradict myself, but I got the jets wide receivers just okay. because you never know. I mean, if that run game can't get going, we saw it with Flacco. Garrett Wilson's very good along with Corey Davis and Elijah Moore. It's just, I don't really trust Zach Wilson. They could boom, but they definitely also could bust. And I have two here. I have, Robbie Anderson for the Cardinals, the new addition. And then I also have DeAndre Hopkins for the sole reason he has not played in six weeks. He could put up 30 points tonight. Wow. He could also be known going into this game that he's the wide receiver number one, come out with a good defensive plan, and he can only have five points tonight. I feel like if Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins does not put up over like 15 points tonight, I feel like fantasy owners could be like, hey, maybe this wasn't the pick. Now, kind of piggybacking off that point, Robbie Anderson, not really expecting too much from him. Yeah. Just got traded on, uh, what, Monday, Tuesday, early in the week. Yeah, but he's the deep threat because Marquise Brown's gone. Absolutely. That's the thing. He could always catch a deep ball at some point in this game, but not expecting too much. I'm expecting maybe 30% of the snaps for Robbie Anderson. Probably doesn't know the full allotment of plays yet. Yeah, and that's why Hopkins will probably play a very big part, along with Rondell Moore is another one. Mm -hmm. It's tough because... There's so much question marks with the Cardinals' offense. I mean, they just put up nine points against the Seahawks. And, like, Kyler coming off that big deal really doesn't look like it's that good. I mean, Arizona's just been wildly inconsistent in general this season. So, it's kind of tough to know what to make of them. I I definitely would love to see DeAndre Hopkins and Murray get a game or two under their belts before I make a final determination on Hopkins. But considering the Brown injury, I would expect Hopkins to be at least a solid WR2 rest of the season. I do agree with that, uh, and especially because he was suspended earlier in the season. So for the most part, you could have got him in a later round, and it's DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. So I really, realistically, he's probably looking pretty good on your reserve now on your bench, and now, like you said, in the WR too. For sure. Moving on, the tight end position. I'm coming out with this take right now. The time has come, ladies and gentlemen. Week seven is the week. Kyle Pitts is going to boom this week. That's funny. That's a, that's my boomer bus guy. So, really? Yeah. He's going to score another touchdown this week. He's going to have at least five catches for at least 70 receiving yards. Marcus Mariota is going to finally realize who his best target on the field is, and he's going to start throwing him the ball. That is my take. Another boom that I have, Evan Ingram against his former team in the Giants. Got a little revenge game action. Ingram's got some juices flowing this season. He's been playing pretty well over for the Jaguars. So expecting a nice little game out of him against his former team. 
I also have Kyle Pitts. I feel like it's funny because he's so good, yet he just doesn't get targeted. Yeah, no, literally. So I've got him. I mean, he's the definition of boomer bust. He could probably put up 25, 30 points. He could put up like Travis Kelsey numbers, mm-hmm. and then he could also put up like Evan Ingram numbers. It's it's either way. It's it's There's too far in between. Uh, and then another one I have, I have Hayden Hurst. He's the the tight end one on the Bengals, and a team that has Jamar Chase, who's probably getting doubled, along with T. Higgins, who's going to get a lot of attention. And Hayden Hurst has kind of slipped in a little bit. He gets touchdowns and red zone targets. I feel like he could boom, but he definitely also could bust. Yeah. Now, something's on my mind. It's been on my mind for a little while now about Kyle Pitts. I understand that the def- most of the defensive attention gets shifted towards him being one of two Falcons weapons that are noteworthy. But at some point, you got to... One of two Falcons noteworthy. Yeah, him and Drake London basically have the keys to the offense in the uh, pass-catching room there. You don't think Cordell Patterson's? Well, he he has been hurt recently. Uh, Cordell And even this season, we saw Cordell Patterson be a bell cow running the ball, at least 20 carries a game. Let me tell you, I was not expecting that this season. Yeah, no, neither was I. He went like the ninth round of my league, and yeah. I was like, Cordell Patterson's going to regress, and he came out, and he was firing out mm-hmm. of the season. Yeah, it was crazy to see. But Kyle Pitts, at some point with this whole situation, you just have to look at Arthur Smith, I feel like. I mean, we heard the quote of Arthur Smith a couple weeks ago saying, it's not fantasy football with Kyle Pitts. But at the same time, you used the fourth overall pick in the NFL draft to get a generational guy that's going to go out and be a Travis Kelsey for you and catch passes in big spots and catch game-winning touchdowns, not a guy that's going to block so that you could throw it to undrafted rookies for them to produce. And also the fact that they run the ball so much. thats what We knew that going in with Mariota that it was going to be a run-heavy offense, mm-hmm. and Patterson goes down, but at the same time, if you're Arthur Smith, just like you said, he's a generational talent. I mean, just throw it up to him if it comes down to it. Draw up the plays for him. We've seen it with Mike McDaniel's offense and then and with the Dolphins. You draw up the plays for Tyreek and Waddle, they make the plays. Pitts is the same. Mm-hmm. All right, wrapping up here, we're going to do one last segment, another game here. It's called Would You Rather. I'm going to throw out two options at the running back or wide receiver position. And we're going to determine who we would rather start in week seven. Got some bye weeks this week. There really could be hurting some fantasy managers. Could have to make some tough starts coming off your bench. So should help with that. Number one, we're going to start off. Would you rather start Jeff Wilson against the Chiefs or Melvin Gordon against the Jets this week? Uh, see, you know what's funny is going into this week, I had Melvin Gordon. Uh, I was up by eight points, and I had Melvin Gordon, and the person I was playing had Justin Herbert. Ooh. And I lost by one point because <laughs> Melvin Gordon put up 0.8. Uh, it's I would stick with Melvin Gordon. He's the starting running back there. I feel like the problem with the Niners is I've been burned with it in the past is they just rotate too much. Mm-hmm. So I feel like you never know. Debo might kind of get involved too. Melvin Gordon's the only lock. At least I think. I doubt that they're going to stick with Murray and Boone. I would go with Gordon. Personally, I'm going to contradict you there. I would start Wilson over Gordon this week. Uh, Pointing at that uh, Broncos offense, number one, it's been absolutely putrid all season long. Hasn't, like, barely any fantasy production. There has been fantasy production coming out of wide receivers and running backs, but at best, it's been very mediocre. No no, uh, game-changing numbers coming out of Denver there. 
Also, when you add on the fact that Melvin Gordon got benched last week, Nathaniel Hackett did say that he and Gordon had a great conversation and that Gordon will be the starter this upcoming week. But with uh, Mike Boone lingering in that backfield, I I don't see too significant of a gap between Gordon and Boone to say that Gordon's a lock for 18 to 20 touches a game. Well, for me... At least in my fantasy league, it doesn't matter because I have Gordon Boone and Murray. So okay. Either oh, you're way, set then. You're you know, set. One of them's going in the lineup. So yeah. So and then if you look at Wilson, last week it was a tough week for him in the San Francisco offense as a whole. Wilson only had seven carries for 25 yards last week, but if you look at his other times as a starter this season since Mitchell went down in Week One, he's put up double digits each week. Seattle, 18 rushing attempts. Denver, he got 15 total touches. The Rams, he got 18 attempts. And week five against Carolina, he got 18 attempts. So uh, Kyle Shanahan kind of been using Wilson as that bell cow back recently. So I I trust Wilson to go out there in a good matchup against KC and get it done. Moving on to number two, we're sticking with the San Francisco offense here. This is a possible flex scenario here. Would you rather start Brandon Ayuk against the Chiefs or Ezekiel Elliott against the Lions? See, when you say the Lions, I think of a shootout, especially because of Ezekiel Elliott. But when you watch Ezekiel Elliott play, it just feels like he just bowls ahead for three yards and falls forward. Mm-hmm. So I feel like in the receiving game, he's not going to be used. You got Tony Pollard. I feel like you have more production or at least a higher ceiling from Brandon Ayuk, mm-hmm. especially with a potential shootout with the Chiefs. I just feel like Ezekiel Elliott's fantasy days are kind of over, especially just because he's a fall forward for five yards guy, not really even the touchdowns because... Tony Pollard seems to be taking the majority of Zeke's potential carries. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. Ayuk definitely has more upside than Ezekiel Elliott. Last week, we got a little taste of some vintage Zeke. 13 rushes, 81 yards, and a touchdown. But e- even in a great matchup against Detroit, they have allowed the most rushing yards uh, this season by far. So, But Pollard is still lingering there, and Pollard is clearly the more explosive back. He gets more work in the receiving game. IU coming off a huge game, eight catches for two touchdowns as well on 11 targets, eight catches, 83 yards. Uh, even in a great matchup against KC, I'm rolling out Ayuk as well with I that do, one. Yeah, I do agree with that. So we are going to do one final one before we head off here on Gridiron Forecast. Switching over to the quarterback position, Nick Carlson, would you rather start Russell Wilson against the Jets or would you rather start Marcus Mariota against the Bengals? I would go... Oh, that's tough. Because both defenses are very good. Russell Wilson's just been all over the place. Mm-hmm. I feel like he doesn't run the ball as much. I think I would go Mariota just based off of the rushing. I feel like he's got better odds to score a rushing touchdown, especially with the rushing yards, and then throw the ball too. The Jets, although they're... All right, well, is Mariota playing the Jets or the Bengals? Mariota's playing the Bengals. Wilson's playing the Jets. So that could it could technically lead to a shootout. I would stick with Mariota. Russell Wilson is just, it's too inconsistent, especially what we've seen earlier in the season. I completely agree. Marcus Mariota, in my opinion, possesses more upside at this point than Russell Wilson. Taking a look at the PPR rankings, Marcus Mariota comes in as QB 12 so far this season. Uh, Russell Wilson comes in as QB 17, so Mariota has had a better season than Wilson. Mariota, at this point, has more rushing upside than Wilson. 
Um, even Mariota, they don't throw the ball much, but when they have thrown it recently, he's been wildly efficient. I mean, it's been crazy the past few weeks. And even in a good matchup in a potential shootout against the Bengals. So definitely rolling out Mariota over Wilson this week. All right, everybody, that'll wrap things up for us today. I'm your host, Nick Rizzo, alongside my guest, Nick Carlson. This has been Gridiron Forecast, a fantasy football podcast centered around the world of fantasy football action. Good luck in week seven, everybody. I will see you again next week on the fourth episode of Gridiron Forecast. Everybody have a great night. You've been listening to Gridiron Forecast with your host, Nick Rizzo. Make sure to tune in weekly for new episodes. You can find Gridiron Forecast in every Rowan Radio sports podcast by searching Rowan Radio On Demand Sports wherever you find your podcasts.